Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stat 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside the Sequel, the podcast show where we give love to sequel movies that don't get enough love or attention and honestly they deserve it a little bit and especially when we're talking about today's episode uh my name is chris i'm your host always um if you are new to the podcast i just want to say welcome i hope you really enjoy this one if you're returning thank you again for your continued support um Today we have a very special guest, um, and we have a very special episode uh, where we talk about the hotly anticipated episode of this channel, and that is Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. Won't you please join me in bringing together in marriage a much beloved couple, Chloe and Poppy. You may lick the bride. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Oh, Poppy. Oh, Chihuahua, Chihuahua. <laughs> Uncle Pedro! Give me Oh, look at me. I'm covered in mud. Don't you usually pay for a mud mask? <laughs> Your little fluff balls ruined my pearls. Sorry. She is a three-time champion of the Beverly Hills dog show. Peasant. She's just mad because she looks like a big, angry Q-tip. <laughs> That's what family's all about. We are stronger together than we are alone. A shooting star. Quick, make a wish. What more could I ask for, mi corazón? Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. The family just got bigger. Now, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 has been a love child of an episode I've had for a while. And I had to get the right guest for it. And I think I did find him. He's making his second um, appearance on this show. And that is the YouTuber and ex-WWE wrestler, Nathan Jones. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, I'm super excited for a movie, a sequel that I have not seen the original to. <laughs> yes, Na- I invited Nathan to this podcast and I told him not, I mean, I never told him to watch the first one. I went ahead and did because I personally liked the first one, <laughs> but I knew I had to do a sequel an inside the sequel episode on this nathan what is your history with the beverly hills uh franchise have you seen the first one at all uh my entire history is tonight (laughs) (laughs) when we watched it um grabbed some drinks we we were hung out with jonesy yep and uh i i know nothing about um these two newlywed chihuahuas from the very beginning of the of the movie Uh, and i guess there's uh some actors and actresses that have been replaced some voices that have changed um I'm, i'm ready to get into this (laughs) Yes. Okay. So for those who are tuning in for the first time, Nathan is a good friend of mine. He's a a fellow YouTuber as well. Um, He hosts the Nathan Jones YouTube channel um, where he always fiercely competes with my Hurtastic Reviews YouTube channel. And uh, I'll let the subscribers speak for themselves there. But uh, 
Nathan is making a second appearance. He was first on here for Shrek 2, which I personally think was a fantastic episode. I love Shrek 2. I will defend that movie. Um, but Nathan, for those who maybe were too lazy to check out that episode, which or I granted, you know, we're not that big, so most people probably won't list, watch or listen to that one. But uh, um, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and um, what you're doing with the, your YouTube channel? So yeah, um, so I've I've been around uh, Chris's uh, presence for a few years now, and um, I'm happy to call him a good friend. And yeah, on my YouTube channel, uh, I talk a lot about uh, Blu-ray releases. I, I kind of started off my channel with doing reviews, and I kind of switched it over to where I was doing Blu-ray hauls, hunting videos, and uh, boutique Blu-ray discussions and and just doing a lot of different things like that and then it's kind of evolved from there to where I've been discussing film journeys with uh, people around the community um, both in the podcast community and also in the YouTube community and so uh, Chris has been a part of that and uh, he's been in several other different iterations and series that I've started um, and I've also been on his channel a few times too and so I'm just happy to um, continue with YouTube in 2021 and see where this goes. But uh, right now, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. Yeah, where is the boutique label release for this movie? Um, Nathan, what's your um? Are you like are you big on like these Disney movies? Have, have you watched Disney sequels? Because for me, you know, and I think a lot of people listen to this know, I am not the big Disney guy. I used to love Disney a lot growing up, but once I got older and started seeing their ways, I kind of really like was really upset with them and kind of grew a huge animosity towards them. But that doesn't excuse the fact that I watched a shit ton of Disney growing up. And even as an adult, I still really enjoy listening or watching Disney movies. Um, do you have any like shared history with like the Disney movies? Do you like enjoy watching them or supporting them or even watching like any sequels? Well, it's funny because when you, when you talk about sequels, like obviously I know that's what we're doing. <laughs> with this podcast um but with disney most sequels are shit yeah uh especially with disney uh like there's all the money is poured into something like maybe beauty and the beast or maybe something along the lines of like lilo and stitch or some 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 kind of just disney film and then there's like a second one that sometimes you'll see come along with the blu-ray like in a double feature. Yes. <laughs> and you'll see like, wait, what? They made a Lalo and Stitch 2. And then yeah. you watch it and then you're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then you're like, there's voice actors that are changed mm -hmm. and the animation's worse. <laughs> and there's just so much about it that it's just like, what? what is this? So, um, I mean, obviously when like Pixar is involved, that's when the sequels are a little bit better. Um, but besides that, um, yeah, uh, those are my, my history with Disney for the most part. Um, if it's like an original movie, I'm pretty okay with it. But if it's like a sequel, it's like, well, well they had no, they had no belief in whatever this, <laughs> what this was. Yeah. That's the thing about these Disney sequels it, and, and boy, am I like passionate about it? Cause I watched a lot of these, like on the Disney channel growing up or I had the VHSs, heaven forbid, but like, I mean, we're talking, uh, let me list. Nathan, you might know some of these sequels. I'm going to run them off a little bit. I mean, we're talking about the the famous, maybe the infamous Aladdin 2, uh, The Prince of Thieves, and Aladdin, or is it Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar, and then Aladdin 3, The Prince of Thieves. I might got those two mixed up, but those are those sequels. We got Beauty and the Beast 2. We also have Mulan 2. We have Pocahontas 2, which personally I really enjoy. She goes to London and finds, finds a, another John. Yeah, finds a new John. 
Uh, which, ooh, that one's a good one. Um, <laughs> let's see. There's also, um, I think there's a Sleeping Beauty. No, there, there's Sleeping Beauty 2. There's a Cinderella 2 and a Cinderella 3 as well, where that one is where what would have happened if the shoe did not fit Cinderella. Very, very enticing sequel. Um, I'm also thinking about Fox and the Hound 2, um, the Lady and the Tramp Scamps Adventure sequel, which I personally enjoyed too. Um, 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> Wait, say that one again. 102 Dalmatians. You have. Yeah, uh, Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, which I do think tackles. One and a half. One, one and a half. Yeah, don't forget about that, which I personally think the Lion King sequels are pretty solid. Um, yeah, there's a. Sh- oh, Mary Poppins Returns, which I'm going to defend. And I will say that movie, I think, actually is really pretty solid. Well, I guess we went from animated to. To live action, even though Mary Poppins has some animated moments, I guess. Yeah, and then you uh, get the Beverly Hills Chihuahua <laughs> sequels. You got a t- uh, part two and a part three. The first Beverly Hills Chihuahua came out in 2008, and now this sequel came out out of nowhere in 2011. <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> and it, it, it has the audacity to be a two hour movie. <laughs> this was two hours? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea all that time passed. It was actually quite enjoyable, man. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty fun time. I was telling Nathan we were watching this, uh, which is available on HBO Max. Surprisingly, <laughs> when you go to the Disney Plus or the yeah Disney Plus, the streaming service, you have Beverly Hills Chihuahua as well on there. But when you type in two and three, it's on there to search. But it says coming to streaming on there in July of 2021. HBO Max has a stranglehold on the sequels for Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. Um, I, I don't understand how Disney has let this one slip through the cracks because this is a slept-on sequel. This is a slept-on series. Honestly, yeah, and you could buy the Blu-rays that are pretty dirt cheap. I think they're about 6 bucks a pop. You can probably find them at a pawn shop. Um, but Nathan didn't see the first Beverly Hills, so I'm going to quickly... <laughs> I mean, well, before we even get into that, Dan, Nathan, do you have... Because um, we've been drinking a little bit and watching Beverly Hills Chihuahua too. Um, Nathan, do you have some, like... Favorite? I don't think I asked you in the first time you were on here. Do you have any favorite sequel movies that stick to mind? I like to ask guests if they have some of their favorite sequels they want to run off. Oh shoot, um, I'm on the spot. Um, I, I I mean I guess I'm the typical kind of sequel lover of like Terminator Two, Two Towers, um, Empire Strikes Back, kind of those ilk. Nothing nothing too off the top of my head. Nothing I can really like think about that would like really um, throw. Um, you know, anything new into the mix. But I'm sure there are some things that are like some hot takes that I'm sure that I would really enjoy if I was looking at my collection right now. I'm surprised you didn't say Tarzan too when it's Tarzan Jr. that's in it. Where the fuck is Phil Collins? <laughs> they didn't, they could not afford him for that sequel. Um, so we'll just talk about Nathan. You This will be a first time listen, I guess, for you while I explain the synopsis for the first Beverly Hills Chihuahua. So the first one stars... Jamie Lee Curtis as um, the the owner of the main Chihuahua female named Chloe, who was voiced in the first one by Drew Barrymore. And she falls in love with a, a Chihuahua who's not from Beverly Hills, but works as a landscaper with his owner, Sam, who's a Hispanic man. Um, the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her niece, um, Rachel, are naturally um, Caucasian. And... Um, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, Poppy is voiced by George Lopez, which I think is admirable. I mean, but like, I mean, I feel like we all grew up watching the George Lopez show, right? 
Low Rider. That's the that's as much of that song as we can afford. Um, but the first one, what happens is Rachel goes to Mexico with her friends and takes Chloe with her, and Chloe gets kidnapped by a very like a crime underlord who runs a dog fighting, a la Vince uh, Michael Vick, and. Um, they've realized she's worth a lot of money because of her jewelry. Um, but the dog Delgado, who is a German shepherd voiced by Andy Garcia, we're talking about big names here, um, helps her, tries to help her escape, um, the, uh, the criminal underbelly of Mexico's dog fighting rings. And, uh, Poppy tries to help her, uh, by finding her eventually they, they do, um, Cheech Marin's also in the first one. I'm trying to think of other notable voice actors or actors that were in it, but, um, uh, Cheech Marin's in that. Um, he plays a rat <laughs> who helps Chloe. Anyway, they eventually, you know, saw, like get her back to Beverly Hills, but they also arrest the crime underbelly. Anyway, the sequel, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, takes place after that because the beginning is an opening ceremony in a church where they're getting married. And you think it's Rachel and Sam because they fell in love in the first one, so why won't they get married? But it's actually Poppy and Chloe who get married. And I don't know, it's kind of... Interesting that all this um, effort was made for um, two Beverly Hills Chihuahuas, I would say. And uh, then you start realizing, I mean, obviously I wouldn't know this, but uh, thanks to Chris, um, then you realize that literally 90% of the voices aren't the same people. And then you realize George Lopez is the only one standing left because <laughs> his career is gone. Yes, they, yeah, they, all the voice actors are gone from the first movie. The actors who play the humans in the first movie are gone and replaced. But George Lopez is the only one left voicing his poppy. I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> like, why he stayed to do this is admirable, honestly. Um, but the first one is like, I don't know, like... There's a lot of stereotypes in the first one, pr- pretty on par with Disney <laughs> in terms of that. But um, I don't know. Like, I feel like this sequel, I'll go off the bat, and I will say that it feels like they're kind of paying a little bit more specs on like the times of being a Hispanic American. They, ta- they tackle a lot of issues in the second one more than the first. Yeah, I mean, it gets a little bit better. I mean, this is 2011 we're talking about, so it's still not the best. And there's a few moments that you'll probably see us when we talk about it a little bit later that we both were like, whoa, what are you talking about? Why Why are you talking about that right now in this movie? Uh, yeah, there's some relevant things going on in the time period. Yeah, like these movies are very, very aware of what they're doing. Uh, but just to give you a reference of how... Um, profitable the beverly hills chihuahua property is it had a 12 million dollar budget which blows my mind it went straight to video per every disney every disney sequel gets a direct-to-dvd um release it never gets a theatrical release except i guess like the live action like mary poppins returns but um this was like kind of like near the end of like the heyday of like the disney channel so I, i i imagine this was like one of their lineups movies but it had a 12 million dollar budget and it made 29.6 million dollars in dvd sales that's a lot of dvds nathan um and they're all at pawn shops now (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where they're at but um send us them uh send them at chris's uh, po box i don't (laughs) send them my way (laughs) i i need to own these movies i i I need to watch the third one honestly so i can rank it among amongst the the trilogy films that 
Uh, Lord knows. We talked about The Godfather 3. Lindsay Wilkins was on here, Nathan, and she runs a Schlock and All podcast. And she was nice enough to hop on here. We For Christmas, we talked about the, the Marco Corleone Coda, the, the new release for the third one. And we also did uh, with Matt Bletta with the Film Fees podcast. We talked about RoboCop 2 and 3. So it's like now like we should have watched the third one so that we could rank it amongst these, the, these, uh, these trilogy films and see where it stands. So Beverly Hills... Chihuahua 3. I hope that everybody returns except for George Lopez <laughs> doing the opposite. Um, or maybe maybe George Lopez is the only one who's the mainstay. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, potentially seeing this this movie um, someday. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we I feel like we need a we need to watch this third one and just kind of like rank it amongst these trilogies. But the second one, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, takes place like they get married, Poppy and Chloe, and you are right off the bat, you see a lot of Oh, how do you want um like uh the wage gap is different there because Poppy obviously is a landscaper dog. He's not a Beverly Hills Chihuahua. He he is a Chihuahua, but he's not a Be- he's not a pure Beverly Hills dog. So when they go to the dog park, there's a um a labradoodle, I believe, or a po- no, a poodle. It's a poodle who is French. Purebred, purebred. Pure pure white fur poodle whose owner gets mad at Sam, who is Hispanic, for having all these dogs at the Beverly Hills Dog Park. And she says, excuse me, this this park's for Beverly Hills residents only. It's like a huge Karen move. And this is only 2011. Maybe it's a precursor to the world we're living in now. But me as a Hispanic American, I was like, good God, this is too scary. Whoa, is there a problem here? You know, this park is for Beverly Hills residents only. Don't you have dog parks where you live? Hey, we have a right to be here. Really? Well, then keep your little animals away from Mademoiselle Marie Apolline Bouvier. Say. Well, and it's even scarier that this like valley girl poodle mm-hmm. is talking like a French, a French, a French woman, uh, which is definitely not uh, where she's from. And you, you see this uh, this classism happening before your eyes at this dog park, and it only gets it, it only gets it more emboldened uh, as we go on throughout the fe- throughout the film. Even more so. Yeah, and you know, after that, they uh, Sam takes the, the chihuahuas and they go to visit his parents in California as well. The first one takes place in mostly in Mexico and then a little bit of Beverly Hills. This one's all in California. Um, there's no Hispanic, there's no trip to Mexico or anything, which I kind of was hoping for, but it's all in California. And he goes and visits his family and he finds out, that, you know, they can't pay their mortgage, so there's the call to action there from our heroes, and um, it's kind of sad. And then we find out that they act, that Poppy actually has a brother uh, named Pedro, who's played by Ernie Hudson. Uh, Ernie Hudson voice acts this dog, and Ernie Hudson, if you don't know, was a, was um, uh, a, one of the leads in the Ghostbuster movies, and now he's in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. He needs money. He needs money right now, and that's why George Lopez is doing this, and that's why George Hudson's doing this as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of like sad, like how their story was, because they're like they were raised on the streets and then they got adopted. So like, you know, it's kind of sad to see that. But then, ah, then they can't. They go to the bank, and the guy who owns the bank is a cat guy. So he doesn't want to help them in paying off their mortgage, and they're gonna evict him out of the house and. I don't know. They, they just kind of kick him out. It's kind of weird. Well, they get a pin, though. 
they get a nice uh, little smiley face pin um, from the bank guy, and uh, it's it's one of the guys from uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. I think he's the janitor, right? Yes. Of of uh, that, if anyone who's listening uh, is is a fan of the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody or the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody on deck or whatever the heck that's called, <laughs> honestly, I don't remember it because that was kind of when I was getting out of it. But uh, that that character, this bank character, is in the movie, and there's also going to be later on when Chris is explaining more of the plot, another character from. Sweet life, sweet life is that Cody. Yeah, this as someone who works at a bank, um, which I probably should say because you're gonna find out what bank I work at and then report this podcast to my employers. But uh oh, um, <laughs> they give the they make the bank look like such horrible people, which maybe the bank is, and they just never um, showed me the dark side of banking because I've never had to evict anybody uh, who can't pay their mortgage. Well, you can't evict somebody immediately because of like dog antics. <laughs> like that's literally what happens is like they they go to inspect this guy, uh, this bald balding man with three other people. I don't I've never I don't know what a banking eviction looks like, but I definitely don't think it has <laughs> involves four other people. And these four people are just going through the house, and then these dogs are like, "We got to stop this." Like it's the puppies, right? It's like the pu- the new puppies that have just you know were were born, and they're just like, "Well, we gotta we gotta stop this." And then uh, you know, like trip on a bone later, and then what do you got? They're like, "Oh, you're evicted!" Like you're immediately evicted, and that is exactly what's gonna happen. And like that's just unrealistic. I don't think that's gonna actually happen in real life. <laughs> yeah, and so they have to raise forty thousand dollars, and they decide to go into this dog show because it's a fifty thousand dollar reward. And the thing about the dog show is the 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 poodle that was in the beginning of the movie who was questioning the legitimacy of the Hispanic man in the Beverly Hills residence only dog park, mind you, um, has been the, the winner four times in a row. And I think it's because they're in cahoots with the judge who is none other than Phil Mosby. As you know, I mentioned earlier <laughs> that that is another character from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. This man is, is, uh, is dangerous, apparently, which we, we looked up from his uh, from from his past, which I we shouldn't be laughing at this because this is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look up the information about this uh, this this actor, um, some some crazy shit has actually went down in his life. Yes. Yeah. He he he. Yeah. Just look up the Wikipedia page on there. I'm not going to talk about it. It's, yeah, it's going to kill the vibe. Uh, but anyway, he's in cahoots with this this poodle, um, and this lady who is, um, I guess, pretty much. Asking, oh, this is the part where it's going to get Chris triggered and it's going to get, it's, it was like what, we both were verbally like aghast by what happened, but this, this lady asked if, uh, the legitimacy of the Chihuahua and asked for the Chihuahua's papers of all things. (laughs) Chloe was not cutting it in the dog competition, but Poppy surprisingly was, and he was a threat to the poodle's contention to win so in in an effort to to get him disqualified phil uh the the owner of the poodle asked ted ted mosby or phil phil mosby's um character um whether or not she said i thought this competition called for purebred beverly hills dogs where is this dog's papers is what she asked she claims that he is not a full-bred chihuahua <laughs> like that's actually in the movie like, it, it, it becomes this big ordeal and like everyone is like oh we love poppy poppy's the best right now and he's killing the competition but this halts everything and i you can't help but feel this movie comes out in 2011 and 
Obama was president during this time. <laughs> and there was cause to where his birth certificate was. Um, and just like Poppy, his name is Poppy. He's supposed to be a Hispanic Chihuahua dog. And this white woman and her white poodle are asking if it's a purebred Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And I was just like, I was dying laughing as a Hispanic, but also like crying and dying in the inside. I can't believe, like maybe it's a good thing they were, they were bringing this up in a movie for kids to understand. Like it's not okay to like ask people who are different than you this. I don't know. It was so weird. It's like, it's almost too ballsy for this movie. <laughs> I think one of the fav- my favorite parts of when we were watching this movie was we were both like, well, think about the people who spend money, actual money, to watch these dog shows <laughs> and people who spend thousands and thousands of dollars to see um, this white girl and this poodle win and then ask the audacity to ask about papers. Of all things, which, yeah, is uh, during the 2011 is a relevant thing for some reason and a political s- landscape of things of all of. But, yeah, this was just a, a thing that both of us were kind of we started just hysterically laughing because of how outlandish it was uh, out of out of nowhere. You're like, wait, what? Like, this is how you're going to like win the try to win the competition. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> this is that. I don't even know. Yeah, like. Wow, I gotta gotta give it to the script writers for that one, I guess. But here's the thing that dumbfounded me. The movie is two hours long. This part of the movie happens about the hour and a half mark or whatever. And it really felt like they were building it up to be the ending of the movie. <laughs> and it doesn't end. You still have a whole 30-something more minutes of the movie left. And ultimately, they lose the competition because of false paper, not, like not having any. <laughs> false papers. Well, they don't have any paper. They don't have any documentation for Poppy because Sam adopted him from the streets, and uh, like heaven forbid, like you know, a dog gets saved from the streets and they got to disqualify. I'm, I'm, this is insane to me. <laughs> but um, anyway, they come up with a new scheme because Delgado is back, who was previously voiced by Andy Garcia. That is not the case anymore. It is someone else. Um, he has, we find out in this movie, two sons that he abandoned because in the first movie, um, when El Diablo, the Rottweiler, I believe that was, that attacked him, had threatened his family. So he thought it was best to give up his kids for adoption and abandon them so then they would never be put in harm's way. Well, now they hate him because they think that he abandoned them. Well, he's there to help them and they're trying to figure out a bank robbery case. Um, Nathan, what was your first, like reaction when i told you oh yeah he was in the first one voiced by andy garcia um I, when i heard it was when i heard his his voice it wasn't andy garcia and then i realized wait a minute who are these people <laughs> and what happened to the legitimacy of the beverly hill chihuahua <laughs> and i was realizing how many people involved with this production were actually hispanic and I don't think there was very many people involved, except for maybe George Lopez and a, a, a few other people. Uh, yeah. Um, so Andy Garcia was uh, not the um, the German Shepherd involved with this <laughs> and involved with this film, but um, yeah, he he left two two sons, I guess, to the police department, who are like drug dogs now. Corrupt <laughs> <laughs> the crime dog. And uh, I guess you know they're they're they do they know that like he's. Their dad? Yeah, he. They were like dismissing him, like he was some deadbeat, even though he had a badge. He had a badge on him too. 
the badge was all around his collar <laughs> instead of like a vest like the other two because those guys are official but i just i don't know how like uh, when he's like, like oh, hey like you need to talking to like the the girl chihuahua which i can't think of her name chloe chloe uh, getting chloe looks like i need your help chloe to like get my sons back and i was like so a chihuahua is gonna like convince these two german <laughs> shepherds that like this is my this is like hey like this is your dad like it's okay like you can accept him now. He he abandoned you for good reasons. He wanted to protect your asses. Yeah, this is really deep for a kids movie. Like child, like parent abandonment of kids because of like threats to their Papers. lives. Yeah, like this is heavy stuff for a kids movie. I kind of like think it's awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, um, but yeah. So they try. They they have to figure out who has been robbing these uh these bank robberies, and then lo and behold, the, um. Uh, the the baby chihuahuas figure out like who the 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 robbers are and all the adult chihuahuas and all the humans they they follow these baby chihuahuas who find out it's spoilers like what are they bakers yeah you smell it out and that's exactly what happened is the uh, the little baby chihuahuas kind of figured it out why kind of getting uh, the smell of the the I guess the ski mask for this robbery and. And then they uh, they deliver it to the sons of the, the German Shepherd, and then they they see that um, it's Baker's. Like, it's like, oh, I smell eggs. <laughs> I I smell I smell uh, yeast. Uh, bakery. <laughs> and then they figure out that they're like, oh, they got to go to the bakery. And then like that's where like the action really starts. Like kicks it kicks into gear. Oh yeah, and then they almost kill the bank robbers with the yeast, which I thought was a scene straight out of the stuff. But, um, I mean, honestly, like, I'm surprised Disney got away with that. Yeah, it did look like the stuff. It, woo, excuse me. It did look kind of, like, delicious and stuff, but, like, it was yeast, so. Yeah, then they got the bank robbers. And the cops gave them a $250,000 reward because they couldn't crack these Three Stooges bank robbers for, for months. They said, we've been trying to find these guys for months. But they were just by the bank the entire time. They're just bakers. Like, they look so suspicious, too. One of them looked like an ex-wrestler. Well, that ex-wrestler, initially, I thought that was Will Sasso, which, speaking of Three Stooges, <laughs> I mean, obviously, he, he was he was the uh, in the Will... Uh, he was uh, in the, I guess, the remake of the Three Stooges, which I've never Missed seen. Missed me with that movie. I've never seen, and I don't really want to. I, I love Will Sasso. If you're listening... <laughs> Just telling you this, I, I loved you in Mad TV, but um, man, like yeah, these these people clearly uh, look like buffoons, and like how did they get away? For, like, well, we just can't, you know, baby chihuahuas and other dogs are the ones who helped <laughs> figure out this this mystery, and two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which happens to be a little bit more than the bank mortgage. Yes, the bank is saved, and. Um, Rachel, who's been calling Sam throughout this movie, hoping that he invites her because she's because she's with uh, her aunt Liv um, in the Amazon looking for more like perfume products because that's what Liv does, played previously by Jamie Lee Curtis. I have no idea who the lady is that's playing her in this movie. They kind of dumb her down. She used to be a cover girl in the first movie. And um, yeah, Rachel keeps calling Sam, hoping that he invites her instead of saying, can I come and help you? Because they're not married, but they might as well have been married because they were in the church together with the Chihuahuas, which is weird to me. Anyway, um, she comes and surprises Sam and they get, they propose and the family celebrates and then that's the end of the movie. Oh man, Beverly Hills Chihuahua too, man. Um, There's some stuff I want to take away. 
that I think are actually improvements upon the first one. I don't know, Nathan, what was your reaction to after the end of the Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2? Honestly, I actually kind of hated the ending because I feel like Sam didn't earn any of that. Because he was being a piece of shit the whole movie towards his, his girl and just not at all. Like, every time she called, it's like, say, hey, can I be involved? She's like, nah. He's like, like, I just, I don't want kids or like, I just don't want a relationship or. He, he, he didn't say any of that. <laughs> he pretty much was, in, he was, he was definitely like suggesting that. And, <laughs> and he confides in his mom that he's just afraid because he thinks Rachel deserves everything that he can't provide for her, which I guess is kind of legitimate. I don't know. I mean, I suppose like I, I would buy it if there was a little bit more exposition. It just like it happens so fast. <laughs> That's the thing about these sequel movies, guy. Like they this I mean, in terms of sequels, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 builds exactly where the first one ends. I kind of have to give it respect in that part. I Chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, the movie both movies end with the the thing that makes you move, Chihuahua. And that's all I know. I don't know it either. <laughs> <laughs> they end with the same song, and they end with the same cutaway where Chloe's licking Poppy, and he goes like, "Oh, Poppy, like," and that's kind of weird and oddly sexual for a Disney movie. Yeah, and I, you know, like we were talking about some of these adult themes that Disney was really sneaking <laughs> in with these Beverly Hills Chihuahua films, but there's some sexual stuff going on too. And um, it, kids, if you're listening to this. Like, you're going to learn a little bit about the birds and the bees and, and how life works with Beverly Hills Chihuahua, too. Yeah, what's the what's the breeding time between, like, the initial act and then birth of the Chihuahuas? Because it said four months. Four months. It's four months. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's kind of quick, right? Like, four months after their wedding, they're like, there's, there's like six kids. <laughs> and they're all girls except one, Poppy Jr., the classic runt of the litter. But uh, yeah, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, um, in terms of sequels, I kind of got to give it some credit. It, it does tackle some issues that are important, I guess, for kids to understand about uh, a different culture, a kind of like the bigotry and grossness of like um, dominant white culture. I feel bad in saying that because, you know, that's just a weird thing to say. Uh, but in the first Beverly Hills Chihuahua, they are mostly in Mexico and you learn a lot about Mexican culture, which I always thought was kind of important, kind of great. And they had these great Mexican actors in it, you know, really building upon it. But honestly, looking back on it, Beverly Hills Chihuahua One, I mean, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like uh, like a tourist viewpoint of like Mexican culture. Like, like sure, you get to see some of the dark and grittiness of Mexico, which is definitely really dark and scary. Um, and they touch upon it just faintly with the dog fights in the first movie. Um, but there isn't that much like education on the culture they just say like oh here's a dia de la muertes you know and this white chihuahua is like who doesn't know anything about her heritage like most i guess mexican americans um i guess is what they're trying to say i don't know it's just a weird message um i guess they just kind of take the cool things of like mexican culture and they put it in the movie but in the sequel they kind of tackle different issues what like you know poppy is obviously not a beverly hills chihuahua he's uh He's an immigrated Chihuahua with Sam, um, who are landscapers working for a rich, um, you know, Beverly Hills tenant resident. But she treats him like family, and he um, he kind of has to fight, you know, like the pre-existing notions of you know him not being a Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I got to give it some respect, though. It's cringy as hell. And this is just all set up to where 
eventually we would get an actual representation of uh, Hispanic culture and Mexican culture in like in Coco. <laughs> and and Disney was queuing up. Um, They're trying to feel comfortable with it. And um, I guess Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 was just another stepping stone. Yeah, maybe they were just tapping into the audience because, boy, they took a, they made a third film, too. All this before even Coco was probably even starting in development. But that was a Pixar film, so maybe Disney wasn't that interested. Pixar, you're really helping out, Disney, because <laughs> Disney's had some problems. Yeah, and you know what? The, man, Disney has problems with sequels, and Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 definitely has its problems, but I mean, I told this to Nathan, we were watching it, though there's some stuff that's like, ugh, like, oh my god, kind of stuff in this movie, I still enjoy it more than most Hallmark movies, and I think that says a lot. The only thing I would say that really terrifies me about this movie is the mouths. Uh, I guess I, <laughs> so. I haven't seen so I haven't seen the first movie, but I know that the budget's not there compared to the first, and so the mouths move in a very um, inanimate way that definitely does not feel, um, I guess, real. Even though obviously dogs don't talk, but it's it's a little frightening. It's a little frightening. I love how like when they're first getting married in the beginning of the movie, one of Chloe's dogs, like the dogs all look the same. They just changed the voices for all of them. Um, but the one dog that goes like, Oh, is the bridesmaid? Never the bride. I'm like, that's a adult joke. That's going to go over these kids' heads. She's the one who's always drunk at weddings, by the way, everyone. <laughs> yeah. They, there is alcohol at that wedding. That wedding is more extravagant than most human people's weddings receptions. I would say. Just um, just watch your back, kids, out there. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, I mean, the guy who, like, directed this film, Alex Zam, he didn't really do much work that I'm familiar with. He did, like, sequel movies. Like, he did Fairy, Tooth Fairy 2, which originally was with, I think, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, the Pooch and the Pulper film, he did an R.L. Stein's movie. Um, called The Haunting Hour. Not familiar with that at all. Dude, he also did the My Date with the President's Daughter, an original Disney movie classic. Do you know that one? No, I don't. Go into it, please. Uh, well, um, it's starring the older brother from Boy Meets World, who I, <laughs> Eric, who I can't think of that actor's name, but uh, dude, like that right there is a classic um, from the early 2000s, like Disney Channel original movie. Um, lineup, and uh, I think that's where he got us all started. Yeah, and then he did the Woody Woodpecker movie, like that live-action CGI movie. Do you remember that? I don't, and uh, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's basically what happens um, in Beverly Hills Chihuahua too. Um, there's not much like built around it really. It 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 feels like it was made just for the Disney Channel, um, and then it blew up from there. Emily Osment apparently also was in the cast, but boy, miss me in knowing which character she played. She play, played a character named Pep, which was probably one of the female Chihuahuas, but they all talk at once, so you don't know whoever's talking in the movie. I was actually a little scared uh, when the baby Chihuahuas were talking because I I think they were all one person. <laughs> That's literally what was happening every time they were talking. It's like, what's happening? Who's talking right now? Yeah, and you know, there's some. I guess you can nitpick this movie, and I'm not saying Beverly Hills Chihuahua Two is like by any like by any means like this this lost film that's amazing, but. Ah, you know, I can't lie. The two hours was a little long, but I kind of enjoyed what I was watching. I don't know, Nathan. What did you take out of it? I had fun. I um, definitely had a few drinks, which made it even more exciting. 
I I had a good uh, I had good company to watch with me. But you know, this movie was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, especially as somebody who has never seen Beverly Hills Chihuahua one, which is not what it's called, but um, that's a movie that I guess I need to watch. Um, maybe uh, he's shaking his head yes, but um, I don't know. What do you think, audience members? I I will I will be hard pressed to find someone who hasn't seen the first one. I feel like a lot of people have seen the first Beverly Hills Chihuahua, or maybe it was just me. I don't know, and I just thought everyone. I assumed everyone should watch it. You're the first person I've ever met who's watched Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I, I kind of enjoyed these movies, like in like a weird like I can't wait to be a dad. I guess kind of way. Like if my kids are like, oh man, I want to watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Beverly Hills Chihuahua too. I'm like, oh man, let me pull that Blu-ray from the shelf and let's pop it in. Dude, we didn't fucking talk about George Lopez talking to his kids about all the Aztec. And <laughs> we haven't talked about all the all of the uh, the Chihuahuas of pa- of the past and uh, the history of Chihuahuas protecting the realm. <laughs> you know that's an important thing. Like, yeah, you're right, Nathan. Like, all jokes aside, that is an important part. Poppy George Lopez's character Poppy has a problem with raising his kids because Chloe always has to be enforcer, and he just feels like one of their buddies and he's just like not being taken seriously as a parent and he's just struggling as a father and like i think that's kind of an important message for first-time dads out there like after watching beverly hills to watch you respect to those first-time dads because it must be tough just witnessing it what poppy has to go through <laughs> can't relate not a dog and also i don't have any any puppies of my own <laughs> yeah it, i don't know there's like some i think there's some well-intentioned things in this movie but obviously being a disney sequel they, they they just whip it up together and they just give it to the masses and see what happens basically but um yeah um nathan thank you um for going into this endeavor with me this was uh, a lot more fun than i thought it was going to be um i mean i i had no expectations going in because <laughs> i literally had not seen the first film um and honestly i I, I mean, obviously, it took me a little bit for me to get used to the talking dogs. And I, as I explained, I was a little terrified of the lack of, uh, I guess, uh, movement from the, the dogs' mouths as they were talking. But, uh, you know, I got past that. I had a good time. I learned a valuable lesson. I learned a lot of valuable lessons about uh, growing up uh, in this very unfair world of ours. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope people also, when they watch this movie, understand um, a lot of the social and political re- repercussions <laughs> of what this film's trying to say. Yeah, seriously, this movie has a low-key, eat-the-rich vibe to it, and I kind of respect it. Um, and that's why George, needs, George Lopez needs a, a paycheck, because he was once rich before, and now... <laughs> I, I feel like George Lopez took this upon himself in a way to be like, you know, I'm going to ride this ship a little bit, and, you know, I respect to him for it. Um, no, but Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, is it better than the first movie? In some aspects, I would say yes. I would say the first movie has a way better story, 100%. I think that script is way better than the second one. But the second one has some good commentary that's educational for kids, but also pretty um, tongue-in-cheek for adults. This is a family movie. I can't wait to have a family and watch this with my family, with kids. You're going to have some chihuahuas of your own. 
Um, I hope you don't have five because that's a little much. <laughs> yeah. Did no one think it was weird that they had how many? Let's see. There was like four or five kids that they had, plus the two of them there, plus his 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 brother Pedro and Delgado. That's like eight dogs in one house. That's too many dogs. <laughs> like, I mean, I think like a PetSmart would be like, holy crap! Like, you need to tone that stuff down. I'm surprised that the the, the bank didn't call. Uh, you know, like there's there's like a certain amount of dogs you can have in a house. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, uh, you know, usually it's like two or three in like a neighborhood or wherever. But you know, eight is that even legal? <laughs> like, I mean, like you know, you get you get. Um, What's his face? Uh, the guy from Sweet Life, Zach and Cody, trying to evict them from bank-related things because of mortgage. But honestly, I honestly I don't feel like you can kick them out as quickly as he wants to, um, based on his allegations of the dogs running amok. But it's like, well, you could get them on having too many fucking dogs <laughs> in their house. Yeah, I think some states have like you can only own X amount of animals in your home, and like, yeah, that's a good point. Shoot, there's a legal issue here. I. Th- if, if there's any lawyers who are listening to this, I need to know about, like, with the legality of this movie. Like, could he evicted them? That's my thing. Like, he literally just was like, you know what? I'm mad at you guys. So, the three weeks that I gave you, yeah, you have to move out now. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just weird. But, anyway, I digress a little bit. Um, Nathan, you were here for Shrek 2. Where does Beverly Hills Chihuahua rank between, like... Like, does it hold up to, like, a Shrek 2 level, or is Shrek 2 just that much more elevated for you? That's a loaded question. I <laughs> um, I, I, I've seen Shrek 2 way more than I've seen <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, so I don't have uh, much to rank them uh, in, in a comparison, but I, I suppose I would pick Shrek 2 just because I've seen it so many damn times uh, in my life. But with Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, you know what? Solid choice and uh, a solid movie and uh you know what as somebody who's uh, as, as as somebody who's always constantly fighting you over the youtube over uh, our boutique label wars you know this is something i can get behind a little bit <laughs> yeah like seriously like I, I need a little bit more than just standard blu-ray release which beverly hills 12 okay so like here's the thing about disney movies it drives me nuts it's like they put these movies out into the vault which i absolutely hate this concept of like increasing the value of their movies by taking them off the market and then bring them back in for like the same releases years later because they used to do like a diamond edition then they did a signature edition and now i don't know what the hell they're doing with their new editions but um why don't they put the beverly hills chihuahua trilogy in the vault and then bring it out with the slam packed new release they need a freaking box set trilogy for this this masterpiece of uh i mean i've only seen the second so every, everyone who's listening to this i have no idea what the first and third are like apparently the first is better than the second uh, according to chris but um i have yet to see it whoa, whoa 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 i mean this is inside the sequel i gotta defend these sequel movies we're talking about i would say two could possibly go toe-to-toe with the first one and i'm being serious paw to paw <laughs> paw yeah paw to paw um whisker to whisker i think um i think the two can compete with the first one in terms of like enjoyment now the story again i think goes to the first one um but they didn't have ernie hudson in the first movie i guess they had andy garcia and a bunch of other guys but um but yeah you know this is inside the sequel this is where we debate and talk about sequel movies that you know deserve a little bit more love and attention and you know this is a direct to dvd sequel movie i don't i don't know if we've I think from all the episodes we've had, I think they're the first one that is direct to DVD, and um, that's totally fine. I, I think it totally deserves some just do <laughs> as well. 
I'm slowly becoming directed to even eat myself. <laughs> like, yeah, low key, kind of want to start checking out more directed DVD. There's some good shit there. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what are your thoughts on Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2? I would love to hear people's thoughts on this. Have you even seen this movie? If not, like I said, it's on HBO Max. And in terms of the streaming wars, I would say HBO Max is beating Disney Plus because I know that's who their main competitor is. I don't think Netflix really is. I mean, can Disney can Disney say they have Beverly Hills Chihuahua? And the answer is no, and so HBO automatically wins. Yeah. So I mean, that's just how it goes. Well, that's a good question, Nathan. Are you a streamer at all? Like, are you like big on streaming, or do you just watch your your discs? Um, lately, I've been streaming a little bit, uh, just because there's been a, a pretty good quality amount of shows lately that I've been enjoying. So like Mandalorian. So I won't say, I won't, I won't oh, say. Shit. Oh shit! Oh, oh no! Oh no! Uh, you know, like in Cobra Kai was, was, is pretty fun as well. And there's, there's some other good shows too, um, that I quite enjoy, but you know, for the most part, I stream every once in a while, but I, I definitely, um, am more of a physical media person, but for the most part, like I, I'm glad that both exist and that's at the end of the day, that's where I stand. Yeah, I would say I try to like not stream and just watch all the physical discs I have. But man, lately I've been cat with HBO Max. I've been catching myself watching more on there. Um, it is just really phenomenal. And of course, I'm mooching off um, Daniel's Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian, which is phenomenal as a show. I will ask you this though, Nathan: Do you think Disney Plus would be as successful as it is now if it didn't have The Mandalorian? I, I don't think it would be as widespread as it is now because it's definitely like that. I mean, I don't look at the percentage of what um, people watch on that um, for the most part. And obviously we're a different um, breed from like maybe the kids who are watching Disney or like the parents who bought Disney Plus for, you know, like all of the like the back catalog of things. But for the most part, like in the adult audience, like Mandalorian is definitely by far the reason why everyone else has Mandalorian or has Disney Plus is definitely for that. For like, I mean, like, the, and it's only expanded in it honestly in a way that is kind of a little ludicrous um, because they were with all these announcements of all these different shows. I, I think it's a little overboard. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. We're literally like it used to be like the cable wars, you know, or like the satellite wars with like. Dish and like DirecTV and then you have like Comcast, you know, like these these big entities. But now we're in a streaming wars. Like remember when Criterion Channel was a thing and we thought we like blew our loads at that. And then um, Arrow had its streaming, which just now launched. And like HBO Max, we used in HBO Now, which I don't know why you'd have HBO Now. You might as well have Max. And then Disney Plus came out. I think Disney Plus is relatively the number one because of its price point. But I thought Netflix was like dead and gone. But like now, I guess they made some new announcements with a lot of new show movies being released. That it's, I mean, it's kind of a fun time to go back to streaming. Possibly, I don't know. I haven't really bought too many physical discs in a while because of it. Yeah, and also uh, at the time of recording this, Paramount Plus just got announced, mm. which is the CBS All Access, um, like Redux, I guess, with ad- additional things with like MTV, Nickelodeon, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of those things that we've seen in the past when we were growing up. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, honestly, I think for the most part, this has almost become its own kind of cable war because everyone, I mean, obviously you have more choice in selection of where you want to stream things, but at the same time, like you're paying the same amount of money where that cable price was in the past because now it's like all those add up to even more than cable. 
for the cable price that you're paying before, um, just for those, you know, those potentially um, those titles that were exclusive to those particular places, which is a little crazy. And that's another reason why I think both Chris and I would probably argue that that's why you should get the physical releases of things for the most part, because you would have them like, um, you know, a good example of that is like The Office, which is constantly in flux of different places where it's at. Like constantly, all the time. I mean, I mean, I don't know where Chris stands on this show, but it's definitely one of those shows that's immensely popular, and I just recommend to everybody to get it physically. And it just got released on Blu-ray, which I think is really expensive. And honestly, I haven't updated it. Um, I've had the DVDs for a long time, but for the most part, it's like that's a show that um, you know. That's the thing about the viability. Uh, I guess. Uh, the lasting power. Uh, the lasting power of these streaming services is like where like the licenses go, and it's a little weird with all that. And to me, I think at the end of the day, I think I'd rather own something uh, than constantly rely on streaming. Hmm. It's a good point to make. Yeah, actually, the the Office is um is on Peacock, which is the NBC streaming platform. Which I have been told that they base their subscription price on descriptions of how often you watch The Office. <laughs> Which I guess is the number one thing on Peacock. I don't know what else the hell you're gonna watch on there. Um, does is the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine on there? Ah, uh, maybe. Which used to be a Fox entity, I think, too. But that was on Hulu. I mean, we haven't even talked about Hulu. We could go on and on about the, the streaming wars. I think it's actually pretty fascinating to talk about more. I used to be a little bit more of a downer on it, and used to just get pissed off and like think you're all dumb for for streaming and stuff like that. Um, while I have a free Hulu subscription, but um. Yeah, I think it's more interesting now, and I think because HBO Max and what they're doing, and I think finally coming around to finally watching The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, it's really kind of opened my eyes to the kind of works that are going on in these streaming services. It's kind of impressive, though I do miss the movie theater. Yeah, I definitely miss the movie theaters. I haven't been to a theater since March 2020, um, so it's been almost a year now, uh, which is just unheard of for me. Uh, but I, I would say the streaming services, like I was kind of echoing earlier, I think it's good that we have both physical releases of things for the people who collect film, uh, but also there is a streaming service for most people who want to just access something kind of um, randomly whenever they have the time. And I think, you know, I'm definitely one of those people, and I think Chris would be the same, and most of the people who are listening to this, we're the outliers. You know, we're not the normal people who are, like going out there and like watching streaming services all the time. And that's just all we do. Like, you know, uh, most of us probably have physical releases of things. And I, I find that kind of special. Um, and uh, I, I'm glad that both exist, but it's, it is a little weird that it's kind of turning back to like the cable kind of um, like whoever owns the property of, of whatever is going on. Or maybe it's a little bit more um, apparent to us. Maybe that's the thing that really, I think is becoming a little bit more open for everybody is like, Oh, everyone's becoming aware of which property is owned by who. And I guess that's a good thing uh, for, for the most part, just to kind of see where your interests lie and where you can spend your money. Yeah. Well said, Nathan. Well said. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Beverly Hills Chihuahua two could spark the conversation of where the streaming wars are happening. Um, but Nathan, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence on Inside the Sequel. We're just a humble little podcast who are just ferociously dedicated to the preservation and love and admiration of sequel movies. And I'm glad you were on here to talk about such a highly regarded one, in my opinion. 
Well, thanks once again uh, for having me on, man. Uh, it's it's always good seeing you, and it's always uh, good to be around. And I hope uh, that this year we're able to collab a little bit more uh, on both this podcast, both of our channels, and uh, just to kind of see where things go, you know? Yeah, for sure. Nathan and I are also already in the talks of working on some things on his channel, so stay tuned for that if you are one of my followers on Hurtastic Reviews, my YouTube channel. Um, but Nathan, before you go, where can people find you just in case if they liked your voice? Um, you can find me uh, once again on YouTube. Uh, Nathan Jones is where you can find me. Um, and that's... Uh, <laughs> don't look... Uh, for the Australian wrestler, I say this every single time I'm on anything, <laughs> is uh, you type in Nathan Jones Movie Review or Movie Reviewer, you'll find me there. Uh, and also the link in the description of wherever Chris is putting this. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, Nathan B. Jones 23 uh, I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what my handle is. Um, Nathan Jones is a pretty common name, so I had to get creative. And then I also am on, I also have a blog that I wrote, I write occasionally, um, and yeah, uh, I'm sure Chris will put that in the description. Yeah, the blog is pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, there will be links down below. Definitely recommend checking Nathan Jones out as well. Um, especially his film journeys. He, he has some really great um, mutual friends on tw from Twitter and on YouTube as well that are on there. So um, if you want to watch that, I definitely recommend you do. But um, Nathan, thanks for joining us. Um, and thank you all for listening and supporting the channel. We're growing, and I love to see that. I love to see the support. Um, once I just want to shout out a few podcasts if you're listening to this. Um, definitely listen to um, Atkins Undisputed. Uh, Michael Scott talks about Scott Atkins kung fu movies which is hard ass um it's so cool and um check out daniel at cobwebs of course um and then check out uh lindsey wilkins on um the schlock and all i'll be guesting on there later at the end of this month as well where we have a double feature i'm gonna keep it a surprise but it's gonna be a good one and then also check out matt bledsoe over at the film feast as well and of course our boy mitch at the terror table phenomenal podcast um, we've been working on some things with daniel so we'll keep that um between us but yeah Thank you all for listening. My name is Chris here at Inside the Sequel. And remember, if you aren't supporting Disney sequel movies, do you really care about cinema? Anyway, we'll see you next time.